Welcome to It's All Political, the San Francisco Chronicle's political podcast. I'm Joe Garofoli, the Chronicle's senior political writer. And today on the podcast, we have another presidential candidate, a Republican even. No, not that Republican. President's busy doing other things. But we do have one of his top rivals, former Massachusetts Governor Bill Weld. Bill Weld's a different type of Republican. He's pro-choice. He wants to do something about climate change. He's pro-same-sex marriage. He's worked across the aisle a bunch. And he's in here to talk about why his campaign really hasn't taken off. But he's going to say what his path to victory is, even here in California. And he's going to explain who he thinks the toughest Democrat to take on Trump would be. And here's my conversation with Governor Bill Weld. Governor Weld, welcome to It's All Political. Welcome to the city of St. Francis. It's terrific to be here. Um, so let's, as we are recording this, there is an impeachment trial starting in Washington. Uh, do you think the president should be impeached? Yeah, I think he should be removed. I, I'm a bad person to ask because I know too much. I worked on the Nixon impeachment years ago and actually wrote the book, the legal memo for the committee about what constitutes grounds for impeachment and you removal. You worked with Hillary Clinton. I did. Yeah. I did. She also worked on the same uh, same legal memo. Yeah. But uh, come to find out what the framers in Philadelphia in 1787 were most worried about were two things, foreign interference in our affairs and someone who would corrupt the office of president by advancing his own personal interests as opposed to the country that he serves first. And both <clears throat> those things are very much present in the Ukraine caper, if I may be permitted that. <laughs> so it's uh, in a way... It's a classic, uh, quintessential, impeachable and removable offense. And that clause in the Constitution is not an afterthought. They needed that there in order to persuade people that they weren't having a king. You know, the, the colonists were suspicious of this executive, which they were not used to. The last executive they knew was George III, and they didn't enjoy the experience. Yeah. So if they hadn't had this removal clause in there, then probably the Constitution would not have been ratified in the first place. So it's important. And why do you think Republicans are very unlikely to uh, vote to remove the president? Well, assuming that's so, uh, I think it's because uh, they they just don't want to go where the evidence leads. And I think I think the evidence is overwhelming. In other words, I think the opposite of what the Republicans in the Senate are saying. They're saying, oh, he did all these things. Maybe it wasn't good, but there's just no impeachable offense. That's just wrong. Uh, there's a classic impeachable offense. The impeachable offenses are things that gum up uh, the workings of government and make sure the constitutional separation of powers functions the way it's supposed to. And and this goes right right to that. What do you so, think the most powerful piece of evidence is that the, the president? That, that, uh, I I think uh, it's that uh, they they uh, rem uh, they suspend the four hundred million dollars in aid. Uh, then the phone call immediately, uh, then, uh, you know, we, we do things for each other, but you got to do this for me. You got to go get Biden. It's just unbelievable. It, there's, it's no wonder that the 25 people listening to the call, which had not been advertised in advance went, oh my gosh, we got to suppress this. We got to make this super classified because they knew right away. It was uh, way off, off, uh, the mark. Okay, let's talk about, about your campaign. Um, half the country disapproves of uh, President Trump, uh, as, as you will find during your three-day trip in California. It's more like two-thirds of California disapproves of him. Um, that, that goes both ways with Mr. Trump. Yes, yes. And uh, But you're not registering <clears throat> the polls. You're not on the ballot in about a dozen states. You got about 200 grand in the bank, according to the last uh, 
uh, campaign finance report you find. What, what's gone wrong? Why haven't you caught on? Well, the plan is to do much better than expectations in New Hampshire, get a little puff uh, of following wind from that, go to Super Tuesday where I've got uh, Massachusetts, Vermont, uh, Colorado, California, a bunch of uh, attractive states, uh, and then go on from there. And what people haven't focused on is that pretty soon it's going to be too late for anyone else to get in for a Ted Cruz or a Marco Rubio because the ballot deadlines are all slipping. So at that point, it would be me and Joe Walsh is also in the race. Right. But it would basically be me against Mr. Trump. And if anything happens with Mr. Trump, like he has an epiphany and decides he wants to go back to business or something doesn't go his way in the Senate, then I would be the Republican nominee. And that's kind of hard <laughs> hard for people to grasp, but uh, it is the fact uh, on the law as I see it. What do you see at this point, if you are not the nominee, don't want to go that Place sure. No, that's we fine. don't have to. I can, I can do, do think, hypos. Do, do, <laughs> do you think Trump will win? Uh, I think there's some uh, some possibility that he would beat a Sanders or a Warren. Yeah, I think that word socialist is a strong word in this country. You think that's the that's where it would be twenty four seven. Bernie Sanders is a socialist. He's a yes. communist. He's all these. He's, he's everything. That's well, he can be. prove Bernie Sanders is a socialist because yeah. Bernie Sanders had said so for forty years. Yes. Right. <laughs> And that's still powerful among younger people, not so much, but among, no, younger people, among not the, so much. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, why do you think, uh, and how about, who do you think the strongest Democrat to, uh, to face Trump with? You know, I don't know. Uh, Biden, Klobuchar, uh, you know, I'm intrigued by Buttigieg and Yang, but, uh, they're, you know, somewhat younger coming along, but I think a centrist Democrat, uh, one of the two uh, very wealthy guys, uh, if they got the nomination, I think would be tough for Trump. Uh, that would be uh, Steyer or Bloomberg. Not sure I see them getting the nomination, no. but uh, I wish them well. So, but you think it would be a centrist? It would be Biden or uh, a Klobuchar? How about, I think how about we, a uh, uh, Michael Bennett from Colorado? Love Michael Bennett. I think he's terrific. I saw him in uh, New Hampshire a couple of days ago and uh, told him so. And uh, he's just a very able, brainy guy. And he works pretty well across the aisle with Republicans, too. We need that. It's one thing that I advertise is that if I get there, I would have a bipartisan cabinet, as I did in Massachusetts when Mm -hmm. I was governor for two terms. And uh, the atmosphere would change on day one. You know, it doesn't cost anything to reach across the aisle. uh, And I've proved that. And people appreciate that. You know, I was elected with 50.1% of the vote and reelected with 71% because People appreciated that we weren't running around pointing fingers at each other the way they do in Washington, D.C., and I'd, I'd love to change that atmosphere in Washington. You are also a, 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 a an increasingly rare Republican. You're pro-choice. You believe in the science behind climate change. You long uh, support the same-sex marriage. What First of all, what happened to Republicans like that? I don't know. You know, when I worked in the Senate, when I worked in the House, we absolutely— worked across the aisle. There were a lot of very eminent senators and they gave speeches on the floor of the Senate all the time. And the galleries were filled with people who wanted to listen and see if they were persuaded because that's how policy was formulated. And now if someone gives a speech on the floor of the Senate, it's at three in the morning. Uh, and, uh, you know, no one knows that it's an empty chamber because the rules of Comcast, you know, are, they're forbidden from taking the camera off the face of the speaker. It's because it's all palaver down there now, now and no one expects to be uh, persuaded. It's just uh, political offense, defense, offense, defense. And that doesn't get the people's work done for sure. 
We'll be back with more of my conversation with Governor Bill Weld after this short break. What do you think happens that whether the president is reelected this time or not reelected? What does the Republican Party look like post-Trump? Post-Trump, I think uh, they're pinching themselves saying, Jesus, did that really happen or was that a bad dream? Now, I'm in a minority on that. Uh, mm-hmm. Most people think, oh, no, the Republican Party is indelibly going to be lockstep. I know nothing. All I know is our leader is supreme. You know, if that's if that's true, that's really pretty pathetic because we got the Nazi party as one of the two major parties in the United States. Uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. And, and I... <clears throat> I do think that it's the accident, uh, the fortuity of Mr. Trump. And, uh, you know, we got a good stock market, so people want to believe in him, but they have to overlook everything, not just a lot, but everything. I mean, the poor guy doesn't know what he's doing in the foreign policy area. He's almost got us into World War III a couple of times already. Uh, He thinks nuclear weapons are great, so he rips up the no-nukes treaty with uh, Iran and he encourages Japan and South Korea to start nuclear weapons programs of their own. He doesn't understand that uh, nuclear proliferation has to be a taboo or we're going to have a little spillage, a little slip, and someone's going to let a nuclear bomb off in someone else's backyard. And that's the quickest way to World War III. So I really think uh, the poor guy has no preparation for his current job. Uh, Every other day I feel sorry for him uh, because he shouldn't have been expected to bear these enormous responsibilities. But I, I don't think he has uh, the uh, the substantive background. And I think it's almost not too harsh to say that he, he doesn't really have a substantive knowledge base on most of the major issues, particularly international. What Then why does why do 90% of Republicans support him? Upwards, you can say 80, 85, 90, they've been all over the place. Why <laughs> is that? <laughs> well, it's not what I hear on the hustings where I go. Now, there's some yeah. self-selection there because sure. people that talk they're to me are— They're coming to a Bill Weld rally. Gonna, they're they're gonna, gonna, yeah, they're well, not even— they're open No, to... I'm meeting them in the street, but okay. they're they're talking to me. So there's some self-selection there. But I don't think it's anywhere near 90%, certainly not in the state of New Hampshire. And we, we shall see. Where you get to 90% is the elected members in the U.S. Senate and the U.S. House. That's where you get the unanimity. And they're united by one thing to the extent that they are 90 to 100%. And that's being obsessed with getting reelected, which is not something I identify with since I was national chairman of U.S. term limits when I was in office. I say serve two terms and get the hell out of there. Go back to your job in the private sector. Maybe too many of those people never had a job in the private sector. Mm. I don't know. But are they afraid of the president? Or yes, or they, yes. They're afraid of being primaried or yeah, being yeah, called no, it's, out on it's Twitter? Absolutely, it? It's absolutely fear. It's only fear. And it's uh, I've seen a miasma of fear in Washington more than once. And I've seen the, I've seen schools of fish in Washington. It's not a pretty sight. <laughs> schools of fish? What does that mean? What do you mean? They don't just no, follow? They all turn on a dime. <laughs> so do you think if after post-Trump they will turn on a dime or not? Yeah, I think they're going to turn on a dime and and jump for joy and say, yippee, now we don't have to say what a beautiful new suit of clothes the emperor has anymore. Because I don't think there's too many other Donald Trumps out there. I hope not. You don't think there'd be like a a copycat people saying, oh, that worked. (laughs) Hell, let's let's do that again. I mean, there's no one with 100% name recognition. 
who well could, and could the, replicate and the, his and the domination. Saw. Now I'm being a pundit, and I shouldn't, but and the domination of the news cycle. And, and let's be honest, uh, Donald J. Trump does have political skills. That's how he got absolutely elected president of the United States. And he predicted in April of the election year that his path to victory would lead through the Rust Belt. And everyone said, "Oh <laughs> my goodness, you know." If uh, if he were a drinking man, we'd say he'd had a bad ice cube. Uh, what a ludicrous thing to say. Uh, but he was spot on. Um, let's talk about, uh, you talk about New Hampshire as, as sort of a linchpin to your campaign there. Right. 40% of the voters there are independents, and you're hoping a lot of them come over to you, correct? That, that's right. That's right. Do you think they'd be more intrigued, with all due respect, by a Democratic primary that's got like, you know, a... 15 no, people, no, they, however many. They, they might. That, yeah. uh, they might very well. And, and the argument I'm making, which when they hear it uh, is received well, is that if you uh, vote in the Republican primary, you can be sure that your vote is coming out of Mr. Trump's total. Whereas if you throw a dart at the Democratic field and try and predict who's going to be the nominee, you're voting against other Democrats. You're not just voting against Donald Trump. And, uh, you know, uh, many people in New Hampshire, when I say that, they say, well, if you put it that way, yeah, that makes some sense. Yeah. Um, what is your path in California? Because in California, as you know, independents uh, cannot vote in right. Republican primary. Only Republicans, registered Republicans can vote in the uh, in the California primary on March 3rd or actually beginning in a couple of weeks of early voting. What, what do you do here? Well, uh, who are your peeps? Uh, my peeps are a lot of people I knew over the years when I was, uh, entrenched in California politics. Uh, some time ago, I was national finance chairman for Pete Wilson. I spent a lot of time with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, you know, I knew the legislative leaders, uh, back then and, and, uh, you know, that was some time ago. So they're not still calling the shots, but I know a lot, a lot of people in, uh, California and, uh, it's, uh, you know, People in the old days used to say that I was a natural for California, pro-gun and pro-gay. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. No, that's I, the, the, but that was a California of, you know, that era of the, of sure. the Pete Wilson Schwarzenegger era. By the way, are they supporting you now or where, where are they at? Uh, I, I'm sure. I'm not at the endorsement <laughs> stage yet. I don't want to okay. ask anyone to endorse Who's, until I have a following wind. Okay. Who is any Californians who are, are on, on board with you right now that we should know about? Oh, I, I wouldn't want to spot people right now, just like I'm not spotting the Republicans in the Senate that I'm talking to. We'll okay. we'll do it probably all at once. But no, oh, I'll I'll have support here, and uh, I, I grant you, if it's all in Orange County primary, that's tough for me. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, you know, it's a big state, and it would take a, kind of a a change in the wind. But uh, <clears throat> uh, I know of only one sport in the United States where the unthinkable can become the inevitable in a matter of weeks. And it's not the National Football League. It's national politics. Mm. I saw it happen with Nixon. In a, in a matter of one week, he went from being the guy that everyone said, kid, what are you doing on that committee? He, he won 49 states against McGovern. He's, he's, you know, he's next to God. Get out of there before you ruin your reputation. And, uh, you know, when Pat Buchanan won 37% of the vote in New Hampshire against George Bush 41, that was early February. That was like a month and a few days after George Bush uh, 41 was at 91% favorability, both parties in the United States. So that all changed in a little over a month. When you jumped into the race, right around the time the, the Mueller report came out, did you expect it to have to damage the president more than it did? No, I wasn't counting on that. Oh, you I was, no, I was counting on the president's performance in office. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that didn't seem to move them on, move the polls either. Impeachment, everybody is in their same bunkers as they were at the start of the process. 
Do you yeah. think that's going to change? Uh, it's a real question whether anything's going to change in the Senate in Washington, D.C. Uh, I do think that in, uh, not to overemphasize New Hampshire, but classically they do decide late. So come back on February 12th and we'll talk about that one. Do you, I know <clears throat> you've, you've been, uh, you've been very magnanimous to other Republicans saying, oh, you if people have been sniffing around the race and wanting to jump in. You said, sure, jump in. Is there a Republican you wish had run? Not like you're one well, competition sure. or anything. Uh, Colin Powell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is he still Republican or did he? Uh, uh, I, I don't know. I don't Colin know. Powell. Anyone else? Who else would be a good, like, uh, uh, someone who could have challenged? Well, you know, challenge. a lot of the senior Republicans in the Senate are people I've known for a long time. And I'm not going to name names because, again, I don't want to spot them. But there's right. a lot of people in the Senate who would have been good candidates. Yeah. But the, uh, again, talk about self-selection. There's a lot of self-selection that goes on in the decision to run for president or any other high office. Right, right. Candidates have to self-select. And how do you define success in New Hampshire? Is it 10%, 15 5 Well, I define success as uh, as winning the New Hampshire sure. primary. And people say, are you in it to win it? Yeah, I'm in it to win it. Then they say, suppose you get... Uh, you know, 35% and you, uh, slow down Mr. Trump and it's the beginning of, uh, the downslide for him. Would that be winning? And my answer is no, that wouldn't be winning, but that would be a substantial achievement. And if you, would you be open to voting for a Democrat? Uh, you voted for Obama in 20, 2008, uh, but not in 2012. Um, who would you vote for? Would I was you... with Romney both times in eight and 12. That's why. That, okay. That but in the general, that. in the general, yeah. um, so while I would not vote for Mr. Trump, I think he's too erratic. So uh, if it's just Mr. Trump and a Democrat, uh, I'd have to swallow hard for the two most liberals. Uh, but I, I think I probably could work my way to voting for the Democrat. Wow. Okay. Um, and how long can you stay in? You, uh, like I said, we said earlier, you got about 200 grand in cash. That's a Bloomberg's, uh, that's what's loose change in his pocket right now. Um, how long can you keep going? Well, uh, I think I can keep going, uh, as Michael Bennett says, living off the land. Living and, off the land, and, as he said uh, on this very podcast. You know, I've been self-funding this thing to a degree, so I can yeah. uh, do a, a bit more of that if something comes up and is absolutely necessary. All right. And uh, if, if to Republican voters in California, why should they vote for a Bill Weld on, on as early as in a couple of weeks? Bill Weld is responsible, uh, would not have trillion-dollar deficits, would tackle as his first priority climate change, which is going to ravage California if, if that polar ice cap melts. Uh, Bill Weld would not pursue reckless foreign policy that would put the entire country at risk uh, and would prepare for summit meetings as opposed to going into them with no preparation whatsoever and would make sure that uh, health care <clears throat> took care of the American people instead of being a political uh, shibboleth. Wow, that is the <clears throat> first use of shibboleth on It's All Political. Thank you for uh, But I, I also, I want to ask you something before we go. I read that you once, uh, this is a college thing you did, you played three games of chess simultaneously while blindfolded. Is that accurate? Or yeah, is that, is I had that to do that recently on television in New York to really? prove it. Yeah. And, and do you win? Yeah, well, I can I can win if it's someone who's not very good. So you can win in fifteen <laughs> moves. You know, these aren't sixty move games. Okay, but uh, no, you you memorize the board. If you if you read uh, chess games from a magazine, you're you're doing pawn to king four, pawn to king four. So you memorize all the squares. So it's not as not as difficult as it sounds. Oh my god, have you? I'm 
getting guessing that you won a lot of good bar bets off of that uh, off the off that. No, you, not no, bar really? bets. Not just, bar bets, but chess tur- bets. Tournaments, yeah. Oh, tournaments, okay. <laughs> Governor Welk, thank you for okay. being on It's All Political. Real pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you. I'd like to thank you all for listening. I'd like to thank Governor Weld for coming here to San Francisco to be on the podcast. I'd like to thank the King, King Kaufman, and the great one, Karen Crate, for producing today's podcast. And remember, whether you're playing checkers or chess against three people or five, it's all political. It's all political as part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is our editor-in-chief. Our music, our theme music that we have is Cattle Call. That's written by Randy Clark and performed by Randy Clark and Crow Song. If you like this show, subscribe, rate, and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. For more great journalism like this, subscribe to the San Francisco Chronicle at sanfranciscochronicle.com slash subscribe. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Garifoli. Thanks.